you'll eat grass when I say it's time to eat grass. You'll eat blackberry vines when I say it's time to eat blackberry vines. You'll nap when I say it's time to nap. Your sheepdog, Pearl. Never mistake a goat for a sheep. Ursula, we're back. Are we doing the bleating gag again? It's a goat-forward podcast. Our listeners expect the bleating. Okay, but what else can they expect from this podcast, Aaron? Ooh, nice transition. Thank you. Well, welcome listeners. If this is your first time tuning in, we strongly recommend going back and starting at episode one. Welcome to the Goat American novel, episode five in our goat saga. Where did we leave them last time? We saw FM do what farmers have to do to prepare to go away. She had to talk to the neighbors and find someone to take care of her livestock. And we met Zipnog the squirrel, Sawyer the farmhand, and Scott, the new neighbor. This story has a lot of characters. Maybe too many? Maybe. Which reminds me, on our host website we have up, a map of the farm and a guide to the characters. I'll link that for you in the show notes so you don't get lost. I mean, as our children's library consultant, I've been told that the great Russian novels had a lot of characters. They sure did. And they also always had a guide to the characters at the start of the book. So, as this podcast producer and art director, it's my job to make sure we've got that too. It's also my job to remind you to come follow us on Instagram, to tell a friend about this podcast, and to please take a moment after the listen to leave us a review and a rating on the podcast app of your choice. Do it! Okay, Ursula, what can the listeners expect this episode? This week, FM drives away and leaves the living and also the departed animals in the capable hands of Sawyer, the young literature student. Is he going to try and do literature stuff with the goats? Why, yes, Aaron. Yes, he is. And we'll be seeing that he's going to have his hands full because the minute FM's attention is diverted to her packing... The goats break out. The goats break out. Any content warnings? It's smooth sailing. Let's go. the very same time that FM was having her conversations with Millicent and Sawyer about caring for the animals and making her preparations to embark on her seaside vacation, Mangoat was approaching her big cousin Silver. Mangoat's customary way of saying hello to Silver was to approach from her cousin's blind spot and commence with vicious attacks to the backs of the knees. She managed to get in a few good cracks making Silver's knees buckle before Silver turned around, reared back. Mangoat rose to her back hooves and pranced nimbly to one side, then the other, as Silver reared, fixing her target. Hey, hey, Big Silver, she's strong, but she's slow. Watch me dance. You can't get me if you can't catch me. Silver caught her and stood standing placidly over her. The other day I knocked your big sister Raffaella over. Think of that. Me, Silver, 
Still only a kid taking out yearlings. Silver stood chewing her cud over Mangoat, who struggled to get back to her hooves. A goat like me is born maybe only once or twice in a century, Silver went on. Mangoat found her feet, then side-gorged her little horn bud into Silver. So what if you knocked Raphael over? Raphael is a pansy. You probably only got her because she was closing her eyes and pretending the billy was, I don't know, going to lick her horns or something. Silver shuddered at the thought. Gross. If a billy ever comes near me or my sister Dandy, I'll kill him. Yeah. What even happened to the yearlings? They used to be fun, and they know stuff, and they do stuff, and then they just went completely cracker goat all of a sudden over the billy. The billy. The billy. I know. Look at them right now. They're watching that alpaca show his butt to everyone again. Mangoat and Silver surveyed the scene grimly. The yearlings, Raffaella, Stefania, Minerva, were indeed standing in the corner of the pasture where the fence lines met, pretending to eat blackberry vines, but in fact, they were watching all the goings-on in Millicent's field. <laughs> the little human, Millicent's youngest son, Arcturix, was prancing around the pasture like the king of the baboons. Come on! wearing only a demonic grin and a pair of hot pink undershorts, tossing his tangled butt-length hair and brandishing the garden hose on full blast. <laughs> like a scepter of power. The three alpacas, rather than running away from the accursed water spray, as any goat would have done, were instead biting and striking and spitting at each other with their hooves and making their weird alpaca noises competing to get the prime position right in front of the spray. Milo, the youngest and meanest alpaca, fought his way to the front. Ooh, look at that kick, Silver admired, like a sack of hammers. Yeah, I'd like to fight him, Mangoat agreed. He'd kill you with just one strike of his hooves, Silver predicted. He'd have to catch me first, Mangoat answered rearing on her hind legs to practice her prancing. Over in Millicent's field, Milo had his ears back now, and he had a wad of cud in each bulging cheek pouch, ready to shoot with deadly accuracy into the eyes of his fellow alpacas, because he had gotten himself into what was, apparently, the sweet spot. And he now began the rhythmic upward thrusting, which made his tail, indeed his whole back end, go pop, 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 and allowed the cooling spray of the garden hose to reach the hottest, itchiest bit of his alpaca anatomy. Arcturix, the little human, howled with delight and angled the spray right up underneath the alpaca tail. Alpaca spray pork! He howled. The little human wasn't the only one enjoying the spectacle. Raffaella and Stephanie were peering out from behind a tree and whispering inane giggles to each other. Mangoat and Silver looked at each other. Disgusting, Silver said and glurked up her cud. Yeah, Mango agreed. Gross. Glurk. Check out Minerva, though. What's she looking at? Silver asked, craning her neck. Minerva was the quietest of the yearlings, and now that Mango thought about it, looking over at her, this cousin was the only one of the three who didn't chime in when the others were gushing about the latest sightings of the billy. Minerva was staring around the other side of the cedar tree, looking into the middle distance. Maybe she's looking for that ghost. 
Mangoat said. What ghost? Oh, man. Silver, that's what I came to tell you about. Kate, last night Minerva told us this crazy story while you were sleeping last night about this goat who killed a whole family of humans, and now she haunts cows. No, said Silver. Said, look, I don't think she's looking at a ghost. <clears throat> look. So Mangoat and Silver both edged nearer to stare at what Minerva was staring at, which was... Millicent's daughter, Layla, the middle child of the neighbor's family, lounging on her side on a stack of pallets with a doll in one hand and the small block of wood in the other. Okay, Ariana, this one's for a quick star page, the girl said to the doll, and she began contorting her face, head, and shoulders into outrageous poses, pushing out her lips and rolling her eyes and pressing her cheeks to the doll's cheeks while staring into the block of wood and saying, Click. Now let's make a video for youth now. And with that, the girl began putting her mouth on the doll's mouth and making strange smacking noises and murmuring, all the while pointing the block of wood at herself. Oh, Ariana, my... What is my that darling. human doing to that fake human? Silver hissed. She's gone completely cracker goat, Mangoat agreed. She must be a human version of a yearling, Silver said, and look at Minerva. Minerva was watching Layla with the same rapt attention that the other two yearling goats on the other side of the tree were watching the alpaca's twerk show. Mangoat cracked her head against Silver's just to relieve the awkwardness. Minerva isn't always crazy, though, Mangoat went on. She's still fun sometimes. She's the one who told us a story last night about a goat who smashed up a human's car and then drove away with it over the hills and all the cows followed her, but she went on to haunt the cows. Well, come on, we have to check out something. Uh, let's get away from all this. You missed some good stuff last night. And so, just as FM was making her way along the road towards Scott's new house in the front of the historic Westerly Farm property, Mangoat led Silver over the fields and through fences in the direction of the great barn in the very back of the westerly property. Mangoat led Silver to the fence line nearest the pig shelter. She squeezed her little body under the fence in the effortless way of baby goats, and Silver followed. By unspoken agreement, Mangoat and Silver moved, one might say snuck, as quickly and quietly as possible through the pig enclosure. The pigs, Mangoat was relieved to see, were napping in the sun after their meal, their bellies and hides encrusted with mud. Mangoat resumed talking when they had reached the safety of the chicken yard. Dandy and Gotina both said they saw something, Mangoat began. Saw something? Dandy and Gotina? Do you mean your little sister Gotina and my little sister Dandy? They are the little sisters. They can't have seen anything important, Silver replied. Mango answered by cracking her head against Silver's backside. Listen, you donkey. They did so see something. They saw a ghost. I've been trying to explain it all to you. They saw the ghost of a goat who lives in a giant old barn and haunts these cows that were dead a hundred years ago. What? What cows? It doesn't make any sense. Are you talking about Millicent's barn? No! 
a whole nother barn that was once belonging to these whole nother neighbors who don't live there no more because they're all dead. There was this goat, see? Ruby Onehorn, and she was part unicorn. So the humans tried to cut off her unicorn, but they just accidentally cut off her ears. So she stabbed all the humans, every one of them, to revenge her sister, and she killed him dead. She even killed the car. At this point, Uncle Rusty the rooster came over to inquire what goats were doing in his yard and to make sure they weren't planning to bother his wives. But before he could open his beak, Silver put her head down low and caught him with an upward-thrusting head toss that made him fly clear across the chicken yard. The chickens cackled in alarm. <laughs> Good one. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the cows. There was cows in this farm. It was mainly a cow farm. There were 500 cows, and each cow had a son. So when all the humans were dead, this story doesn't make any sense. Silver insisted. I'm just trying to keep it all straight in my mind. The goats came to a stop. Silver butted Mangoat. Mangoat butted Silver. Both knew, but would not say out loud, that the reason they were standing there butting one another was because they had never been beyond the chicken yard before. The fence they now stood in front of was different from the wire livestock fences they were used to squeezing under. It was a dense wall, woven out of willow and blackberry vines gone dead and gray, with the thorns still menacing and sharp in death. From beyond this fence there came wonderful smells. Danny said this was the place. She came here yesterday to eat FM's kale, Mangoat whispered. There's no way Dandy came here. She's a little sister. She's frady and weak, and she needs a herd queen to take her places. Silver explained, but Mangoat shrugged and pointed her nose at a weak spot in the woven wall. And she thrust her little horned head in through the weak spot and threw it side to side, heard the willow crack satisfyingly around her. And when her head was through, she had made room for the rest of her body, and she pushed, and she felt the blackberry thorns slide along her fur, but she did not mind because she could see the field in front of her, opening up into delicious new green pastures. Silver followed. As their bodies rubbed and jostled the fence, there came from right above them a tremendous tinkling of bells. What's that? Silver asked, silver-glazed fur bristling all up along her spine. I don't know, maybe... Mangoat gulped. Maybe it's the ghost of old Ruby Onehorn, rattling her chains... But now they were through, and the tinkling of the bells faded, and Silver was not thinking about ghosts anymore. She was not thinking about anything except the fact that she was surrounded by plants. Magnificent, strange plants were sprawling all around her. Plants with fuzzy, star-shaped, enormous leaves on vines that curled and wound all around, and each vine was bursting with giant sweet-smelling, swollen orange globes, some of them bigger than Mama Chi-Chi's belly. Where are we? What is this place? Silver whispered. And then she put her mouth to one of the giant orange globes, but she could not get her jaws open wide enough to get a bite. Still, the delicious flavors and juices rubbed against her gums. Mangoat, the rattling chains forgotten, fell in next to Silver, 
These are called apples. I heard about them. I can't. Silver tried and failed to get her teeth on the apples. Open, she reared up in frustration and threw her head back and swooped her mighty once-in-a-generation head and crack. The giant orange apple split satisfyingly, and orange flesh and guts flew everywhere. In the same moment, the two baby goats gorged themselves to bursting on prize-winning orange pumpkin flesh. FM was driving in her pale blue Volkswagen Rabbit. She was driving to the farm supply store. To get double chicken feed, double goat treats, double everything, in case Sawyer had any problems. She tuned in on her FM radio and she hummed along. was too sad. Of course, all her animals would miss her terribly when she was gone, especially Pearl. So FM twisted the dials, and this is what she tuned in. And now, listeners, a real treat. A performance by the Glasgow Handbell Orchestra. And FM turned it up to hear the bells ringing out. And she tried to hum along to the tune, but she could not help think of the alarm bells strung up around her pumpkin patch. And she could not help thinking about how, when she was away, there would be no one there to hear the string of tinkling alarm bells going off if any animal should cross into her prized pumpkins. FM was wrong about no one hearing her pumpkin alarm. There was someone who heard it. Zipnog the squirrel, up in her tree, heard the bells. The noise, she said. The noise that brings the human? The noise that brings the brown? If there was one thing Zipnog knew, it was that when the bells rang, it meant... The noise brings the human? The human brings the brown? Yes, it It was time for the human to chase the chickens out of the pumpkin patch and throw the piece of burnt bread with the brown on it. The wonderful, the smooth and delicious rich brown slathered all over it. Zipnog salivated just at the sound of the bells, preparing her mouth to receive the brown goodness. It did not come. Instead of the human coming to chase the chickens out of the prize pumpkins with her hands full of brown... There was only two little baby goats down there, preparing to gorge themselves on the prized orange flesh. And now, a message from our sponsor, Four Farms Cood. Listeners, do you have non-specific gut pain, boils, feminine troubles, feline distemper, wandering uterus, devil's farts, the tit sickness? For complete relief from all these complaints and many more, try Four Farms Raw Artisanal Cood. Four Farms Raw Artisanal Cood is sustainably harvested from the mouths of our pasture-raised ruminants. Bleh.
cats who are fed on an organic blend of meadow grass, wildflowers, and pungent herbs to bring you this adaptogenic, burp-sourced cood. Tell the listeners what ruminants are, Aaron. They are grass-eating animals with multiple stomachs, the natural byproduct of which is healthful cood. So yummy. So it's just like tapping a maple tree for Sierra? Exactly. The animals are not harmed or even annoyed by the cood harvest. They experience it as a gentle tickle on the tongue. Blurk. Also, maybe tell the listeners what adaptogenic is, Aaron? Adaptogenic means it hasn't been proven to heal anything, so it might heal everything. Four farms, raw artisanal cood, passes through the highest quality testing, as well as four stomachs before it is lovingly belched up. It's probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic. Raw artisanal cood is available in three rejuvenating flavors. Alpacas after two, sheep surprise, and goats glurk. Glurk. Four Farms Raw Artisanal Cood, daily essential supplement. It's definitely a real thing. Why aren't you all taking cood already? A quarter of an hour later. When Silver had eaten more than she'd ever eaten of anything in one go, she stumbled woozily over to Mango and tried to crack heads with her. But she missed and ended up sloppily bumping into her cousin's belly instead. Mango belched and fell over. I ate more than you did, Silver said, and she fell over too. Herd queens can eat the most. Apples are the best thing that ever existed. Mangoat said, rolling over onto her back and stretching out her legs. I'm going to come here every day until all the apples are gone, Silver said, and I'll grow to be the largest goat in history. People will sing songs of the mighty apple-fed Silver. Silver, who could devour an apple larger than she was. But Mangoat wasn't listening to the boasting. Because here, on her side, she could see something looming over the horizon, just beyond the tangled vines of the pumpkin patch. The something that Mangoat was looking at was a great, enormous barn, its side planks of ancient cedar peeling and disintegrating, its shingled spine collapsing in the middle where time had been pressing on it, down, down to the earth. It loomed against the gray clouds that were rolling in from the northeast. It was a barn. A very large, a very old barn. And on the second story of the barn, one window was lit from within. A smear of, just a smear of yellow light peering out from the gray gloomth. Booby one horn! Mangoat bleated, rolling to rise up on her feet. Who? Silver asked. The ghost from the story. The one who murdered all them humans a hundred years ago. You Weren't you never listening to me? Did you see her? No, but look, that's her barn. It's gotta be. It's just like Minerva told it in that story. Come on, let's go look. Mangoat got up, lethargy forgotten, and began running through the vines toward the far edge that was the outer boundary of FM's pumpkin patch, and the boundary of her property. Silver followed, trying to keep her leaderly dignity. 
I don't believe any of that old story. Minerva made it all up. There's no such thing as ghosts. But look, there's a light on in that window. Mangoat hissed as she began butting the hedge, looking for a weak spot. Silver's hair was bristling. Humans always have lights on, she said, beginning to stamp her hooves. Mangoat turned around long enough to crack heads with Silver as she said, Not in abandoned fallen down barns, they don't! Before turning her attention back to the hedge, You're acting fraidy, Silver! Come on, help me! We gotta get through this hedge! Mama Chi-Chi is calling us, Silver said as she reached her head down to hook one of Mangoat's legs with her precocious long horns. She ain't neither, Mangoat bleated, trying to shake her leg free. Mama Chi-Chi is calling us. It was then that the roar came. It came from the barn? From just beyond the hedge? Neither kid knew anything about where the noise came from, but it filled their ears for one horrible moment. It filled their ears and their brains until Every little hair stood on end. A horrible roar. It was the roar of absolute terror. It was predator incarnate. It was a vicious roar. A roar that snatched little kids right from under their mother's watchful gaze and sucked their little bones right down to the marrow. When the roar was finished, there was a beat of absolute silence in which Mangoat and Silver looked at each other, eyes wide with terror. And then they ran, and no fence, no pig, no pumpkin, no rooster, slowed them down, until they reached the safety of their mother's sides. Later that afternoon, well after Mangoat and Silver had made their ways back to the safety of their mother's sides, after FM had bought double feed and double salt licks and given Sawyer a tour of the farm and shown him where all the feed and the hoses and the tools were and gone over with him three times how to reach her in case of emergency and explained in detail what to do in case the pipes froze even though it was August, and what to do if the pigs got out, which was very, very different from what he must do if the goats got out, and what to do in case a chicken got egg-bound, and what to do in case a chicken got mites, and what to do if the barn burned down, and what to do if the stale donut delivery didn't come on time. I think the main thing is that you're able to really relax and enjoy your vacation, FM. Sawyer offered. Everything's going to be fine. It's only a week. Well, yes, I suppose so, F.M. said, looking not at all convinced. Her eyes roamed the property, a million possibilities of things going wrong popping into her mind. Weak hose connectors, barn roofs that looked as though they might spring a leak, worn spots in the fence, goats only three fences away from Millicent's deadly rhododendron bushes. F.M., Sawyer said seriously, My roommate is an epidemiologist majoring in public health, and he told me that toxic stress is a contributing factor in almost every major illness, especially chronic illness. You need a break, FM. I consider it my duty to you to keep this farm safe while you're away. 
I've been taking care of my mom's alpacas for years. I've got this. FM looked him over and let out a sigh. <sighs> You're right. I'd better go and pack. I've got just a few more things to do. You can find your own way home? Of course I can. She nodded again and turned to go. Sawyer waited for her to cross out of the field and disappear into the path that led to her cabin before he made his way back to her goat pasture and leaned over the gate. Hello there. Good evening, goats, he said, his voice filling with the formal tone he took with his professors. The goats all paused over their evening grain to look up at him. He shook his head and tried again. Hi, goats. Hi. I'm going to be, well, caring for you over the next week. He shook his head bashfully, and so he didn't catch the glance that Mama Chi-Chi gave to Lady Baba before returning to her molasses oats. So, I thought it might be good if we got to know each other a little bit better. The nannies and the kids looked him over as he let himself into their pasture. Only two goats ran to join him. Two young goats, yearlings, he judged, not yet with babies of their own, but not kids either, came right up to him. Tails flashing. Hi, he said. One bleated brightly back, with a hint of a question mark at the end of her voice. said the other. Sawyer patted them, then went over to the alder canopy and leaned his back against the thickest trunk and took out his backpack. It was full of books, and he leafed through these before choosing one. No, these aren't for eating. These are works of literature. I thought I'd read to you so you'd feel more comfortable with me. Of course, you won't be able to understand what I'm saying, but studies have shown... Well, I don't need studies to know that, of course. Of course, animals just enjoy companionship. Oh, here's a good one. He selected a book and placed the others in a stack behind him. Like I was saying, you won't be able to understand the words, but poetry is more about the rhythm anyway. And so... As the heat of the late August day began to dissipate, Sawyer began to read to Stephanie and Raphaela from an anthology of 19th century poetry under the long red rays of the early evening sun. Something there is that doesn't love a wall that sends the frozen groundswell under it and spills the upper boulders in the sun and makes An hour later, as the sun set, FM stood in the corner of her property where all her fence lines met. She reached down to stroke Pearl for comfort. Her suitcase was already in the car. She checked, she checked and rechecked everything twice. She had changed into clothes that would be comfortable for driving, but presentable when she reached her seaside bed and breakfast. Well, Pearly girl, I really saved the worst for last. She scratched Pearl's behind. All the animals were looking at her curiously, wondering if dinner was to be served twice that day. I hate leaving you all, FM said to Pearl, but I promise I'll be back. She shook her head. Can't be put off forever. She put her fingers in her mouth and whistled. Okay, everybody, come on now. She whistled again. Slowly, the pigs came out of their mud wallow. The goats left the shade of the aspens. Uncle Rusty called the 16 hens to follow him, and all came to the place where the fences met over the water spigot. 
FM had a bucket of overripe watermelons with her, and she began throwing them over the fences, where they exploded open on impact with the ground. Then began the feeding frenzy. Each animal focused on what it liked best. For Uncle Rusty's family, it was the savory black seeds. The pigs filled their mouths with the overripe pink fruit slush, and the goats knocked their melons with their heads to dislodge the fruit and sunk their powerful grinders into the bitter green rinds. Okay, listen up, everyone, FM said, and the older, wiser animals noticed the gruff catch in FM's voice. I'm going away for a few days. I'll be honest, it's more like a week. I, I need to rest my aching bones a little. But I promise you, you'll be well taken care of. FM wiped her eye. Just a fly, FM said privately to Goatko Ono. She cleared her throat. <clears throat> Smoke gets in your eyes and all that. She cleared her throat again. I'm leaving Pearl in charge, she went on. Her eyes narrowed at Pearl. Did she just imagine it, or did Pearl stand up a little straighter when she said that? And did the goats exchange uneasy looks? Surely she'd imagined it. Said Mama Chichi on behalf of all the goats. Don't worry, Mama. FM went on more loudly now. Sawyer will be coming twice a day to feed you and milk all of you and check on you and make sure your waters are full. You're all going to be fine. Bellowed Goatko Ono indignantly. FM sighed and wiped away another fly. I know Grandma Goatko. You knew Sawyer when he was running around in diapers. He's all grown up now. He goes to college and he reads one million books every week. FM wiped three more flies out of her eyes and blew her nose. And I wouldn't be leaving you if I didn't trust him to take good care of you all. And then FM went around caressing every single animal individually, which took some time. And gradually the melons got eaten down to the very last morsels. And the crowd dispersed, each animal back to their own grazing and scratching and wallowing and preparations for sleep. Pearl leaned against the fence across from Mama Chichi. Did you hear that? FM's leaving me in charge. Me in charge? And things are going to change around here. Mama Chi-Chi rolled her goat eyes at Lady Baba. Do you have flies buzzing, Lady Baba? Mama Chi-Chi asked. I think it's a pack of Pomeranians howling in the distance, Lady Baba replied. I couldn't be more serious, Pearl said, drawing herself up to her most majestic, most intimidating height, and flashing her teeth at the two goats, who couldn't help. She knew very well, quaking just a little quiver of purely reflexive predator terror in their bones. And as FM walked sadly back to the cabin, Pearl stayed and leaned across the fence from Mama Chichi. It's going to be up at five for herding drills. Neighbor Elmer has been promising to train me to be a real herder. And when he sees me up practicing, I know he'll come over and he'll teach me the ways of the herd dog. Driving you all through pylon courses, starting at dawn every day. And then I'll herd you through your day. You'll eat grass when I say it's time to eat grass. You'll eat blackberry vines when I say it's time to eat blackberry vines. You'll nap when I say it's time to nap. Listener, 
the head of a group of goats is called the herd queen. And a herd queen simply is the goat who can deliver the hardest head cracks. But a truly great herd queen knows that the secret to being not just a herd queen, but a truly great herd queen, is holding back those butts of thunder. Of doling them out so very rarely that months may go by without her butting anyone. A great herd queen, such as Mama Chi-Chi, need only arch her caprine eyebrow. A caprine is a word which means about goats. She need only arch her caprine eyebrow, and the full force of merely the legend of the head crack behind that eyebrow will keep her herd in line. And the longer she goes between head cracks, the greater the strength of the legend. Mama Chi-Chi hadn't really butted anyone in months. But the crack that Mama Chi-Chi delivered to Pearl through the fence would be talked about for years afterwards. <coughs> Pearl slunk away with her tail between her legs. Your sheepdog, Pearl. Never mistake a goat for a sheep. Mama Chi-Chi bleated at the dogs retreating back. Head throbbing. Pearl made her way back to the cabin where FM was waiting to let her in. I won't say goodbye to you, Pearl. You know all about it. Sawyer will be here for you bright and early, FM said, and then she threw her arms around her dog's coat and left it wet with tears before striding out the door. And the sound of her little blue hatchback rattling away was the last sound to be heard before night fell. Pearl had never been alone in the cabin this late at night before. That was our episode. I think the plot has officially thickened. For those of you having trouble keeping track of all the goats, I don't blame you. Feel free to check out the character listing and the map on our homepage. Link to the notes. Uh, thanks again to my whole team. Couldn't do it without you. Especially not weeks when I'm sick like this one. So thanks to everybody who supports and contributes. A special shout out again to the amazing Foley artists over at freesounds.org. Um, car rattles, some uh, growling you may have heard, some thunder butts you may have heard. Uh, Foley artists, Manhawks, Metrostock 99. Ooh, they made that amazing um, chiming sound in the background of the ad. Oh, yeah, buy Four Farms Coot, by the way. It's uh, totally delicious. I, I like it so much, I put it on toast. Anyway, credits Video G, Breviceps, King's Row 2016, and Mullumbimby. Uh, these Foley artists made sound. So, thank you very much for contributing. Take it home, Steam Brass Band. Dreams are made of things Who am I to disagree I travel the world and the seven seas Everybody's looking for something